Book One, Chapter One of *The Traitor: A Story of the Fall of the Invisible Empire* by Thomas Dixon Jr. Published 1907. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Dedication dedicated to the men of the south who suffered exile imprisonment and death for the daring service they rendered our country as citizens of the invisible empire to the reader this volume closes as originally planned the trilogy of reconstruction the leopard's spots the clansman and the traitor the clansman ended with the political triumph of the ku klux klan or invisible empire the story of the traitor opens with the order of dissolution by general forrest and is set in the atmosphere of the fierce neighborhood feuds which marked the clan's downfall in the piedmont region of the south thomas dixon jr new york 1907 book one the crime chapter one the threat what's the matter with the latch john graham stood in the soft southern moonlight fumbling over the gate of the old homestead from which the civil war had driven his family penniless used to be a latch anyhow before his illustrious dishonor the judge and his african government turned us out he continued to mutter wonder if he's locked it didn't need bolts for gates in our time but he does the old scallywag each word of the last sentence was slowly hissed again he felt over the gate tried both sides without success stepped back and surveyed it critically by jiminy the gate's grown up used to be here see the gravel walk on the other side he shook it gently no mistake about it grown solid to the fence i'll have to climb over he touched the points of the sharp pickets suddenly straightened himself with dignity and growled i won't climb over my own fence and i won't scratch under i'll walk straight through a vicious lurch against the gate smashed the latch and he fell heavily inside he had scarcely touched the ground when a fair girl of eighteen dressed in spotless white reached the gate running breathlessly darted inside seized his arm and helped him to his feet mr john you must come home with me she said eagerly got to see old butler miss susie you're in no condition to see judge butler she spoke with tenderness and yet with authority and why not he argued good-naturedly ain't i dressed in my best bib and tucker he brushed the dirt from his seedy frock coat and buttoned it carefully you've been drinking pleaded the girl yet i'm not drunk he declared triumphantly then you're giving a good imitation she said with an audible smile miss susie i deny the allegation he bowed with impressive dignity susie drew him firmly toward the street you mustn't go in i ran all the way to stop you in time you'll quarrel with the judge that's what i came for well you mustn't do it mamma says the judge has the power to ruin you john's eyes shot a look of red hate toward the house and his strong jaws snapped he has done it already child 
he growled paused and changed his tone to a quizzical drawl the fact is miss susie i've merely imbibed a little eloquence on purpose tonight to tell this distinguished ornament of the united states judiciary without reservation and with due emphasis just how many kinds of a scoundrel he really is don't do it it's my patriotic duty but you'll fight far from it miss susie i may thrash the judge incidentally during our talk but there will be no fight please don't go in mr john she pleaded softly i must child he answered smilingly but firmly old butler today used his arbitrary power to disbar me from the practice of law if that order stands i'm a pauper i already owe your mother for two months board we don't want the money eagerly broke in the girl two months board he went on ignoring her interruption for my dear old crazy dad helpless as a babe with his faithful servant alfred who must wait on him two months board for my bouncing brother billy an eighteen-year-old cub who never missed a meal two months board for my war-tried appetite that was never known to fail no miss susie we can't impose on the good nature of the widow wilson and her beautiful daughter who does the work of a slave without wages and without a murmur susie's eyes suddenly fell no i've given alfred orders to pack we must move to-morrow you'll do nothing of the kind cried the girl you can pay us when you are able your father saved us from want during the war we owe him a debt that can't be paid he is no trouble and alfred works the garden mother loves billy as if he were my brother and we are honored in having you in our home the tender gray eyes were lowered again john looked at her curiously bowed and kissed her hand thanks miss susie i appreciate more than i can tell your coming alone after me here tonight a very rash and daring thing for a girl to do in these troublesome times such things make a fellow ashamed that he ever took a drink make him feel that life is always worth the fight and i'm going to make it tonight and i'm going to win then don't give old butler the chance to ruin you pleaded the gentle voice i won't my little girl i won't don't worry i'll play my trump card i've got it here he fumbled in his pocket and drew out a letter which he crushed nervously in his slender but powerful hand drawing his tall figure suddenly erect the girl saw that her pleadings were in vain and said helplessly you won't come back with me no miss susie i've serious work just now with the present lord of this manor my future hangs on the issue i'll win and i'll come home later in the evening without a scratch again the slender white hand rested on his arm promise me to wait an hour until you are cooler and your head is clear before you see him will you maybe he said evasively if you do appreciate my coming she urged at least show it by this promise for my sake won't you he hesitated a moment and answered with courtesy yes i promise for your sake susie my little mascot and fellow conspirator of the invisible empire good-bye he seized her hand and held it a moment my my but you look one of us tonight 
with that sylph figure robed in white standing there ghost-like in the moonlit shadows i wish i could share your dangers i'd go on a raid with you if you'd let me she cried eagerly no doubt he laughed i'll sit up until you come she whispered as she turned and left him john graham leaned against the picket fence and watched intently the white figure until susie wilson disappeared the talk with her had more than half sobered him and now for business he muttered turning through the open gate toward the house he stopped suddenly with amazement well what the devil every window from cellar to attic ablaze with light and the old scoundrel has always kept it dark as the grave he seated himself on a rustic bench in the shadows to await the lapse of the hour he had promised susie and pondered more carefully the plan of personal vengeance against butler which was now rapidly shaping itself in his mind that he had the power as chief of the dreaded ku klux klan to execute it was not to be doubted the invisible empire obeyed his word without a question tender memories of his childhood began to flood his soul beneath these trees he had spent the happiest days of life the charmed life of the old regime he could see now the stately form of his mother moving among the boxwood walks directing the work of her slaves he had not been there before since the day her body was carried from the hall five years ago and laid to rest in the family vault in the far corner of the lawn ah that awful day could he ever forget it the day old butler brought his deputy marshals and evicted his father and mother from the home they loved as life itself the graham house had always been a show place in the town of independence built in eighteen forty by john's grandfather robert graham the eccentric son of colonel john graham of revolutionary fame it was a curious mixture of colonial and french architecture the french touches were tributes to the huguenot ancestry of his grandmother the building crowned the summit of a hill and was surrounded by twenty-five acres of trees of native growth beneath which wound labyrinths of walks hedged by boxwood its shape was a huge red brick rectangle three and a half stories in height with mansard roof broken by quaint projecting french windows on three sides porches had been added their roof supported by small white colonial columns the front door of pure colonial pattern opened directly into a great hall of baronial dimensions at the back of which a circular stairway wound along the curved wall the attic story was lighted by the windows of an observatory from the hall one could thus look up through the galleries of three floors and the slightest whisper from above was echoed with startling distinctness the strange noises which the negro servants had heard floating down from these upper spaces had been translated into ghost stories which had grown in volume and picturesque distinction with each succeeding generation the house had always been haunted the family vault in the remotest corner of the lawn was built of solid masonry sunk deep into the hillside its iron doors which were never locked opened through a mass of tangled ivy and honeysuckle climbing in all directions over the cedars and holly which completely hid its existence 
popular tradition said that robert graham had loved his frail huguenot bride with passionate idolatry and anticipating her early death had constructed this vault a very unusual thing in this section of the south it was whispered too that he had dug a secret passageway from the house to this tomb that he might spend his evenings near her body without the prying eyes of the world to watch his anguish whether this secret way was a myth or reality only the grahams knew not one of the family had ever been known to speak of the rumor either to affirm or deny it a year after his wife's death robert graham was found insane wandering among the trees at the entrance of the vault this branch of the family had always been noted for its men of genius and its touch of hereditary insanity on the day of his mother's burial john graham had found his own father sitting in the door of this tomb hopelessly insane but he had not accepted the theory of hereditary insanity in the case of his father the major was a man of quiet courteous manners deliberate in his habits a trained soldier a distinguished veteran of the mexican war conciliatory in temper and a diplomat by instinct he had never had a quarrel with a neighbor or a personal feud in his life the longer john graham brooded over this tragedy tonight, the fiercer grew his hatred of butler something had happened in the hall the day of his mother's death which had remained a mystery aunt julianne who stayed with the new master of the old house as his cook had told john that she had heard high words between butler and the major and when she was called found her mistress dead on the floor and his father lying moaning beside her john had always held the theory that butler had used rough or insulting language to his mother his father had resented it and the judge taking advantage of his weakness from a long illness of typhoid fever had struck the major a cowardly blow the shock had killed his mother and rendered his father insane experts had examined the major's head however and failed to discover any pressure of the skull on the brain yet john held this theory as firmly as if he had been present and witnessed the tragedy he rose from his seat walked to the front entrance of the house and looked at his watch by the bright light which streamed through the leaded glass beside the door he had yet ten minutes he retraced in part his steps followed the narrow path to the foot of the hill and entered the vault feeling his way along the sides to the arched niche in the rear he pressed his shoulder heavily against the right side of the smooth stone wall forming the back of the niche and felt it instantly give the rush of damp air told him that the old underground way was open he smiled with satisfaction he knew that this passage led through a blind wall into the basement of the house and up into the great hall by a panel in the oak wainscoting under the stairs it's easy my men could seize him without a struggle he said grimly slowly allowing the door to settle back of its own weight into place again he stood for a moment in the darkness of the vault clenched his fist at last and exclaimed i'll do it but i prefer the front door i'll try that first a few minutes later he had reached the house knocked loudly and stood waiting an answer aunt julianne's black face smiled him a hearty welcome come right in marsa john honey and make yourself at home i sure is glad to see you 
john walked deliberately across the hall and sat down on the old mahogany davenport under the stairs behind which he knew the secret door opened he reached back carefully played with the spring and felt it yield aunt julianne's huge form waddled after him for i passed a time a day i must tell massa john what the judge say he gives instructions to all the folks dat if any graham put his foot to dat dough to tell him he don't low you inside this yard i tell you so as i can tell him i tell you cause i can't help it dat you brush right past me and come in can i honey of course not aunt julianne her big figure shook with suppressed laughter the very idea of me keeping mammy's baby out in this house when i carry him across this hall in my arms the day he was born and how's all the folks massa john about as usual thank you aunt julianne how are you poorly thank god poorly why what's the matter she glanced furtively up into the dim moonlit gallery of the observatory and whispered dey was terrible times here last night what happened ghosts what again john laughed no sir dem was new ones we got the lights all burning tonight the judge he was scared out in ten years growth he been in bed all day just now get up to supper was master william well last night as well as usual yes alfred put him to bed early well shows you born his living ghost was here he was clothed and in his right mind too i hear something walking up in the attic about eleven o'clock and i creep out in the hall and look up and bless the lord there stood your pa leaning over the railing looking right at me well sir i was scared that bad i couldn't i i, I couldn't holler i look again and there stood your ma my dead missy right side of him ah aunt julianne you were walking in your sleep no sir i was just as waked as i is now i tried my best again to holler but i clean lost my breath and couldn't so i crawled to the judge's room and tell him what i see he was scared most to death but he followed me out in the hall and look up he see them too and dropped down side of me a foaming at the mouth he's powerful scary anyhow just like us niggers i got him to bed and poured a big drink of liquor down him and when he come to he made me promise never to tell nobody and i promise course it's just like i was talking to myself honey when i tell you and this morning he gave orders to admit no one of the tribe of graham inside the yard again yes sir well tell his honor that i am here and wish to see him at once yes sir i spec he won't come down but i tell him sir she waddled up the stairs to the judge's room john heard the quarrel between them aunt julianne's voice loud shrill defiant insolent above the judge's she served him for his money and her love for that old house but she secretly despised him as she did all poor white trash and in such moments made no effort to hide her feelings <laughs> bully for aunt julianne john chuckled when she returned he slipped the last piece of money he possessed into her hand and smiled keep it for good luck he said yes sir the judge say he'd be down as soon as he dresses he all dressed now but he just want to keep you waiting 
i understand said john with a laugh are you sure aunt julianne that the ghost of the major you saw last night wasn't the real man himself course i show it was his spirit alfred says he's walking in his sleep of late at least he found mud on his shoes the other morning when he got up the lord master john it was his spirit just like i tell you he didn't look crazy no more than you is he looked just like he looked in the old days when we was all rich and proud and happy he was laughing and talking low like to my missy and she was laughing and talking back at him i see them both with my own eyes just as plain as i see you now child you thought you did anyway course i did honey the doors is all locked and bolted with new iron bolts nothing but spirits can get in this house after dark the judge he sees them too just as plain as i did and this coward is set to rule a downtrodden people john muttered fiercely under his breath yes it's easy he'll do what i tell him tonight or i'll use the power i wield to execute the judgment of a just god what you say honey aunt julianne asked nothing there's the judge coming now she whispered hastily leaving john kept his seat in sullen silence until the shuffling footsteps of his enemy had descended the stairs and crossed half the space of the hall the younger man rose and gazed at him a moment his eyes flashing with hatred he could no longer mask the judge halted moved his feet nervously and fumbled at the big gold watch chain he wore across his ponderous waist his shifting bead eyes sought the floor and then he suddenly lifted his drooping head like a turtle approached john in a fawning creeping half walk half shuffle and extended his hand i bid you welcome young man to the old home of your ancestors in fact i'm delighted to see you i heard to-day that you would probably call this evening and had the servants illuminate every room in your honor indeed john sneered yes i wish for some time that i might have such an opportunity to talk things over with you john had turned from the proffered hand and seated himself with deliberate insolence thanks for the illuminations in honor of my family the sneer with which he spoke was not lost on the judge his patronizing judicial air so newly acquired wavered before the cold threat of the younger man's manner yet he recovered himself sufficiently to say my boy i like your high spirit but i must give you a little fatherly advice seeing that my own father at present cannot do so the judge ignored the interruption and seated himself with an attempt at dignity mr graham you must recognize the authority of the united states government which means you i was compelled to make an example of disloyalty you disbarred me from personal malice for your treasonable utterances i have the right to criticize your degradation of the judiciary in using it to further your political ambitions i disbarred you for treason and contempt of court john rose and stood glaring at the judge whose shifting eyes avoided him well you're on solid ground there your honor were i the master of every language on earth past master of all the dead tongues of the ages a genius in the use of every epithet the rage of man ever spoke still words would have no power to express my contempt for you the judge shuffled his big feet as if to rise 
sit still john growled i've come here tonight to demand of you two things you're in no position to demand anything of me spluttered butler running his hand through his heavy black hair two things john went on evenly first revoke your order and restore me to my law practice tomorrow morning not until you apologize for your criticism that's what i'm doing now i profoundly regret the incident i should have kicked you across the street criticism was an error of judgment butler shambled to his feet trembling with rage pulling nervously at his beard again and gasped how dare you insult me in my house it's my house flashed the angry answer your house the judge stammered again tugging at his beard yes sit down the astonished jurist dropped into his chair his shifting basilisk eyes dancing with a new excitement your house your house why what what yes and you're going to vacate it within two weeks what do you mean sir demanded the judge plucking up his courage for a moment i mean that the distinguished jurist hugh butler who had the honor of presiding over the trial of jefferson davis and now aspires to the leadership of his party in the south was living in a stolen house when he delivered his famous charge concerning traitors to the grand jury that morning in richmond it is with peculiar personal pleasure that i now brand you to your face coward liar perjurer thief john paused a moment to watch the effects of his words on his enemy the cold sweat began to appear in the bald spot above the judge's forehead and his answer came with gasping feeble emphasis i bought this house and paid for it exactly sneered the younger man but i never knew until i got this letter he drew the letter from his pocket just how you came to buy a house which cost fifty thousand dollars for so trifling a sum of money who wrote that letter interrupted the judge eagerly evidently a friend of yours once high in your counsels who has grown of late to love you as passionately as i do and i think he could put a knife into your ribs with as much pleasure the judge winced and glanced nervously into the galleries don't worry your honor if you take the medicine i prescribed amputation will not be necessary let me read the letter it's brief but to the point to dr john graham esq dear sir the secret of butler's possession of your estate is simple under his authority as united states judge he ordered its confiscation forced his wife to buy it for two thousand eight hundred dollars at a fake sale which had not been advertised and later had it reconveyed to him his wife refused to live in the house sent her daughter to school in washington and died two years later from the conscious dishonor she had been obliged at least in secret to share a suit brought before the united states supreme court will restore your property hurl a scoundrel from the bench and cover him with everlasting infamy a former pal of his honor an anonymous slanderer snorted the judge yet he expresses himself with vigor and accuracy and his words are backed by circumstantial evidence butler sprang to his feet livid with rage crying john graham you're drunk just drunk enough to talk entertainingly to you judge will you leave my house or must i call an officer to eject you sir 
he thundered a process of law is slow and expensive judge said john with a drawl i haven't the money at present to waste on a suit may i ask when you will vacate this estate when ordered to do so by the last court of appeal sir john looked the judge squarely in the eye and slowly said you are before the last court of appeal now and it's judgment day i understand your threat sir but i want to tell you that your ku klux klan has had its day the president is aroused congress has acted i'll order a regiment of troops to this town tomorrow dare to lift the weight of your little finger against my authority and i'll send your crazy old father to the county poorhouse and you to the gallows to the gallows i warn you john took a step closer to his enemy towering over his slouchy figure menacingly and said when will you vacate this house butler grasped the back of his chair trembling with fury the possession of this estate is the fulfillment of one of the proudest ambitions of my life when will you get out and my daughter has just returned today from washington a beautiful accomplished woman to preside over it when will you get out when ordered by the supreme court of the united states or when i'm carried out feet foremost through that door the judge choked with anger then until we meet again john bowed with mock courtesy walked across the hall to the alcove and took his hat from the rack where aunt julianne had hung it just as stella butler sprang through the rear entrance with a joyous shout reached at a bound the judge's side and threw her arms around his neck oh papa what a glorious night steve and i had such a ride the judge placed his hand on her lips and whispered my dear there's someone here stella glanced over her shoulder and saw john fumbling his hat in embarrassment why it's the famous mr john graham introduce me quick not tonight, dear i do not wish you to know him stella released herself and with a ripple of girlish laughter walked boldly over to john her face wreathed in friendly smiles mr graham permit me to introduce myself stella butler my father has just forbidden it i care nothing for your old politics shall we not be friends she extended a dainty little hand and john took it stammering incoherently never had he touched a hand so warm and tender and so full of vital magnetism it thrilled him with strange confusion never had he seen a vision of such bewildering loveliness an exquisite oval face with lines like a delicate cameo cheeks of ripe peach red a crown of unruly raven black hair and big brown eyes shaded by heavy lashes her dress showed the perfection of good taste and careful study a yellow satin trimmed in old lace that fitted her rounded little figure without a wrinkle dainty feet in snow-white stockings and bow-tipped slippers that peeped in and out mischievously as she walked and with it all a magnetic personality which riveted and held the attention he stared at her a moment dumb with wonder could it be possible that a girl of such extraordinary beauty of such remarkable character of such appealing manners could have been born of such a father as the new mistress of your old home let me bid you a hearty welcome mr graham she said softly 
you must come often and tell me all its legends and ghost stories the judge shuffled uneasily and cleared his throat with nervous anger now keep still papa i'm going to make this old house ring with joy and laughter i won't have any of your political quarrels i'm going to be friends with everybody as my mother was they say she was a famous belle in her day mr graham so i have often heard john answered with increasing confusion as he retreated toward the door you will come again i hope to soon he gravely answered as he bowed himself out the door end of book one chapter one